Danny Gallagher. Welcome to our Business Gateway series of podcasts. Today, we're going to be focusing on your employees, how we can bring them together as a team, the challenges that can bring with new ways of working. And as part of that, we'll talk about working remotely, productivity, burnout, and also their well-being. We do understand there are many positives about working from home, but equally, there are times where it can be difficult when you don't have that interaction with your colleagues. And even meetings can become tricky collaborating. Bonding becomes even more important too. But how can we achieve this remotely? Well, with us today is Helen Denny from Flexible Works. Helen is going to talk us through Teams. And I don't just mean the platform, Helen, I hope. <laughs> Helen, what does your role involve then with Flexibility Works? My role with Flexibility Works is I am their learning and development lead. And in particular, I'm, I am working with them to develop to training programs um, for people, managers and employees around hybrid working and how to work really well and effectively in in the hybrid workplace, which we obviously know is a huge topic at the moment. So yeah, very much designing that content and we'll be delivering the training from the autumn for clients. So you're going to help us look at various ways where a team can become closer and potentially more productive. And I'm hoping that you're going to give us some hints and tips as business owners and managers and how we can improve our knowledge and our techniques as well. So, well, let's kick things off and accept team unity is very important to many businesses, especially SMEs, where the teams can be small. How can we create a team bond when the employees don't work in the same place? Good question. (laughs) It's a big one that we get asked actually quite a lot at the moment. Um, And I think, I mean, it doesn't, to me, I don't think it is rocket science, um, but actually the real starting point with that team bond is what we talk around is actually really getting to know the individuals as the first step within your team. And that's beyond the job they do and have they achieved their outcomes, but really building those relationships um, and understanding what motivates them when they do their best work, what time of day do they like working are they night owls and like working late at night or do they want to get up the crack of dawn and, and do it first thing in the morning? So it's about really understanding everything about that person. Once you've got that, it's around how do you bring your team together when you're working in different locations? So, you know, it's maintaining those relationships out with work. Um, and that might be having randomized coffee hours once a week where you, you're kind of getting people to connect in, it could be a, which can be virtual or once in a while it can be in real life. It's also one of the things, some of the things I've seen clients do is around thinking about when do we bring the team together? So team unity is often around that piece where you want to feel like you're in it together and you're really working towards something, that bigger picture. And if you don't have that, then people start to feel disconnected and a bit, yeah. So it's around how do they, how do we make sure the team are feeling that connection, that they're all working towards something where if you're not in the office that you used to have, you kind of got that sense. Uh, some of the things we see people do in terms of that team unity and connection is, as well as the kind of getting to know the team, it's around what, how do you bring people together? So, you know, we know during lockdown, everyone was doing virtual whatever's parties, <laughs> um, Zoom, you know. Friday night drinks and actually we all got a bit exhausted with it so it's not about necessarily replicating that level of interaction online but it's maybe once a month you know it's actually let's all come together in person and meet somewhere you don't need an office as a business to do that you can use co-working spaces you can do team away days but 
I think that bringing people together in person is key, but not, it doesn't need to be every week, but also having some of that social time when you're online as well. And that can be, as I mentioned, randomized coffee. Um, it might just be a weekly, let's just have a check-in, not talking about work, but just how's everyone getting on. And that's all around that fostering, the, that social connection as well as the work connection. But then also reminding and making sure you've got a really clear vision and goal that people are feeling really connected to. And, you know, how do you kind of keep people on that track um, so that they start to work in towards that bigger bigger piece, which is actually really important for team unity. Does that make sense? I like the weekly connection, but I, I can understand that. And just recently, now that we're, some of us are going back into our offices now and again, I'm quite conscious of the fact that we don't just go into the office. We sit down on our desk. And we don't speak to anyone when we go in. As we walk through the office, usually we're speaking to folk as we go along. And, um, and so I, I think it's taken us quite a long time remotely to understand that, you know, we kind of, before we start a meeting, we kind of need to soften everyone up. Um, I think in the early days, we were a bit blunt and a bit, right, let's go with this. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was preoccupied about their cameras and all the rest of it. So a significant number of businesses have got employees working in the office, some working out of the office. Do we really think this is going to work longer term? And what actions should we take to make sure that things go smoothly? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of really interesting points there. So, you know, when you've got that mix of people, some in the office, some not, um, which was happening pre-pandemic. So there was lots of people already working in that way in different ways, although admittedly it was tended to be more senior staff who might work in a more flexible or remote way. Um, or your remote first teams. I think now, though, it's around, it's not losing sight of what we've learned over the last couple of years and, and using that learning to really enhance people's working lives. So when we're talking around people, some people in the office and some not, it's around why, why are we going in the office? Um, some people might need to use the office because actually that's the best place for them to do their job, their work, or actually the, where they live is not appropriate for them to work from home for whatever reason. Um, but then if they're in the office and you've got other people who are working remotely, what are we doing to ensure that experience at, across both levels is equal? So what you're you're trying to think about is if I'm in the office and most of the team are in, but there's a couple of people who are just dialing in, for example, for a meeting, what experience is that like for those people who are remote versus the ones in the office? Because what tends to happen, you've probably seen it with sort of hybrid meetings is everyone in, who's around the table, you're all chatting away, you're having your little side chat. So the person dialing in is like, I don't know what they're talking about. I can't hear because the technology, you know, your mics or whatever aren't great. So it's just really, actually, I think you have to be really purposeful and really mindful when you've got people working in different locations like that, about that inclusive piece around how do you make sure the experience is as equal as it can be across those two different kind of locations. But I think it can work if you're really conscious about it. I think sometimes it's about having somebody really holding that space as well. Um, so if it is, uh, you know, it's if make sure you're checking in with both both kind of uh, your remote and your in-office people. But I think there's also something around not always, you know, maybe there's also a piece around as a manager, you might have to say actually once a month again or once a week, I do want everyone in the office, but it's not to sit on emails and just on Zoom calls. It's actually so that we're all having that shared experience together. 
but then the rest of the time you know you, you're doing however you work in terms of that flexible way but I think it can work I think we can learn a lot from your remote first teams they've actually been working in this way for quite a long time and they've actually got some great practices that we can just borrow and steal um and there's a great guy called Bruce Daisley there's a lot around workplace culture Actually, he's got some really good tips as well around what I think people can do to help really make it work in terms of this new way of working. I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but I think one of the big things with it is is going back to that relationship piece around connection and really understanding what makes people tick in your teams, who, how people work best. Some people really love working from home. Some people hate it. Some people want to, you know, work in the morning, some in the evenings. Actually, having that real understanding around what people need, and then thinking around when do we do what type of work we're doing and what where. So, if you've got more convergent meetings, which is about bringing people together, let's do them in person together in an office space or equivalent. If it's those more divergent meetings where actually we don't need to be, you know, it's around thinking around those two different types of meetings, you know, that creative collaborative piece. Let's do that in person, the the more focused work. Let's just let people do that wherever it best suits them. Um, and actually, sometimes you have to kind of set that line as a manager. So we uh, encourage a lot of our clients to do something called team charters. So where we're working with this sort of different locations um, and different times a day and that flexibility. If you do a team charter, it sets out all those boundaries and best practices. It clarifies expectations. Um, and it creates a kind of a roadmap, if you like, for organizations to work from and for teams within organizations to work from that says on Wednesday, we're all going to come in the office, but we're not, we're going to have an, I'm in the office today set on my emails. So I'm not going to check emails because actually I'm in the office to be with my team to do all the kind of stuff that's actually just really nice to do in person. And then, you know, they, you, you kind of have all of that set out in your team charter. So it can be a really useful tool for teams to think about doing. I was just thinking about the dynamics of folk on screen that you, you mentioned and, and folk in the room. And I know at least half a dozen chairs at meetings who've got post-it notes that say, don't forget about the folk on screen, yeah. <laughs> which I think is probably really quite valuable because you're right you know they do kind of forget forgotten about and I think the going into the office again uh, with this new way of working is there has to be a purpose why am I going in do I need to use the printer is it because I've scheduled you know meetings with you know whoever um, I, and I want to see them face to face but just thinking about um, you know when we did meet folk face to face sometimes we did have to have difficult conversations, for example, with employees. I'm just wondering how we have those kind of conversations online. Are there best practices for making that work? Yeah, and I mean, it is a big one, isn't it? You know, ultimately, if you're managing people, there's always going to be those crucial or critical conversations that you might have to have. Maybe someone's not performing. Maybe somebody has agreed on your team team charter they're going to come in once a week on a Wednesday and then they're just not coming in and there's always you know so yeah appreciate you know it comes up a lot and I think some of the things you can do if you're doing them online in particular is is actually being I suppose going back to that thinking about the person first is really important and thinking around actually giving them some prior warning that this conversation is going to happen because I've often seen where where it goes wrong is when 
the manager maybe at the end of another meeting just says, oh, by the way, can you just stay on for five minutes and I just need to have a you know, word with you straight away that other person who's involved isn't prepared. So I think there's about, you know, creating a space is really important. So in advance to let them know, look, we need to have a conversation. It's going to be maybe potentially slightly difficult. So you've done that already. You're not just trying to shoehorn it in at the on top of other meetings or in really busy schedules. So I think that's really critical. I think simple things like having the camera on, being making sure you're both in a space where there's not other distractions around and other people coming in and noise and kids or whatever it is. It's like actually, you know, as, as you would in the room, it's about trying to create as much as that as you can by that online setting. So I think those are really critical, that preparation, giving the other person, the person the, the, the time and space so that they know this conversation is coming and they've got time to prepare for it. Um, and then as a, you know, if you're having that conversation, I mean, there's lots of tools out there around how to have crucial or critical or difficult conversations, however you want to call it. But I think it's around thinking around what, you know, if you're doing it online and you're doing it, I would always say with cameras on, with that space, but how do you, you know, really communicate and give the other person the space to respond? So it's about using a particular, you know, find a tool that works for you, but there is, there's so many out there that take them through. And I often find if you ask the person first, quite often they know that something's not right. And, you know, it's, you know, it's about giving them the opportunity to acknowledge it talk it through and then what can you do to support them to make you know address whatever that issue is but some of it is just really simple I think being human um there's Brenny Brown's got a great um feedback checklist so some people might have come across that but I find that's a really useful one uh, that you can use in an online setting but it's a really good one to work through to think about if I've got to give feedback or talk some you know go through a difficult conversation with somebody um that's quite a useful framework to work through uh, but there's others out there as well. I don't think anyone enjoys these kind of conversations. I certainly don't. And actually, if I'm honest, I think actually I prefer doing them online. <laughs> I, I, I know that sounds really weird, but 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 I do. I'm, I'm, it's one of the, the few things I'm always preoccupied about. I, I don't have to do many, thank goodness. One of the symptoms of working on your own for hours on end is that we're increasingly seeing issues with mental health and, and burnout. And it's really more difficult to spot body language signs, I guess. So I'm wondering how can we look out for staff in the hybrid world? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's a massive one, isn't it? And, you know, in terms of mental health and well-being, and we have a responsibility as employers to look after our employees. And I think the last couple of years has really brought that to the forefront about how much we do need to, you know, be really conscious of this. Um I think in a hybrid context, you know, again, it's going back to relationships. You know, if you've got those relationships with your team and you know what makes people tick and what's going on for them in their lives through those regular check-ins, those regular one-to-ones, those regular times of coming together, okay, you can't pick up body language in the same way through a screen. You're still going to get a sense that actually if you're having that informal time as well as the work time, when something's not right and it's almost for me I think it's you know we talk about actually being it's almost about addressing it before it even gets to that point of burnout and stress isn't it so it's around you know everyone has mental health 
and we have good weeks and bad weeks. Um, but when we we see people when they're most affected by it, it's when it's lots and lots of things building up on top of another. And each of it's quite often the little thing that makes somebody go, oh my God, this is it, I've done. But it's because it's that it's filled that cup up. So I think it's those simple things about relationships, about those regular check-ins. I've seen people put in things like well-being afternoons, where people get the time off uh, to go and do whatever they want on well-being Wednesdays, one uh, client that we work with. So on a Wednesday afternoon, everyone just once a month, they can go and do whatever they want for their own well-being. I've seen companies put in, you know, your classics, like we'll have a mindfulness hour, some meditation. It's not really for me. <laughs> so, you know, but it's about just actually, I think, consciously putting in time, both in a on a personal human level, but also thinking as a, a wider, from a company perspective, what else are we doing to really support people? And you can't get body language through online calls, but if you're pushing people to turn on their cameras, uh, in meetings, not just sitting, you know, on mute with a camera off so you don't even know if someone's there. If you create that culture as part of your expectations from the outset, that also helps because you can start to pick up things through through the screen. You can probably, people won't be able to see me, but I'm quite expressive with my hands. So I think you can still get that. You can get that energy. Now, I, I wasn't doing that. Somebody would know that straight away. They'd be like, well, you don't seem quite right. There's something not going on, you know, something going on there. And you'd have that time and you'd check in with them. I like the idea, Helen, of well-being Wednesday. I have a big team meeting on a Wednesday morning. I, th- I think we'll just cancel it and just have well-being Wednesdays. I think it might work yeah. a lot better. Exactly. And you don't need to every week, do you? But that once a month or something, it's just actually really nice to do. So... <laughs> And so productivity, uh, in terms of working remotely, are we thinking there might be a danger that there's a, a drop in productivity for working remotely and we can't be seen all the time or is that? I mean, I was reading an article this morning and the evidence is the other way. It totally suggests, you know, that actually we're more productive when we work remotely. Not everyone, and I acknowledge that some people really struggle that with that kind of self-discipline to work independently but I think there's um what we have seen is that if people are not having to commute because the average commute for most people is 60 minutes you know and it's 75 in London and so take that commute away so you get more time that helps with your well-being so you've got more time to invest in the things you want to do whether it's home family life whatever that is but on a productivity level as well it's giving you more time back in the day and what people are finding with the companies that are doing this well is where they're divvying up the week or the month with we're going to have these days in the office for team time collaboration time creative time but the rest of the time you can work in whatever way suits you people are actually putting the time aside to get on and work and they're doing focus work and they might be working less hours than what they used to or look like they used to in the office but actually because that's because they've been trusted and they're given that space to work, you know, independently at time that suits them. So, you know, I quite often will work later on in the afternoons and evenings because that's my focus time where my brain actually sort of kicks in in, in a gear. But yeah, the evidence suggests that we are actually more productive with remote, uh, remote working than people like to believe. Um, and this isn't going anywhere, you know, hybrid working remote working flexible working it's here to stay so I think it's that trust piece um, and it you know the other thing sorry I just wanted to touch on was about meetings 
Um, there was a period where we tried to replicate that presenteeism we saw in the office by just putting in loads and loads of meetings. No one's productive when you've got back-to-back meetings or five minutes between a meeting, you can't get anything done. Um, and a client I was talking to last week, they were saying around what they do is they structure their diaries and they make all their team do it. So you have your key meetings that you need to have, but then they have to block out time in their diaries where no one can put anything else in and it's sort of protected time to actually do the work that they need to do to achieve their jobs. Um, and that really helps as well um, when you're working sort of more spread out and in that more productive really helps with productivity as well and helps with mental health because you're not again being overloaded with back-to-back meetings which is just exhausting for everyone yeah a few good examples in there definitely the the traveling time thing is, is big there's no doubt about that and the interesting thing about the meetings I'm glad you said that because folks think that I'm weird I will not go to any more than three meetings per day yeah I just won't do it and when I say, I'm really sorry, I've already got three meetings that day, they kind of look at me as though I've got horns. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I feel a lot better now about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rep- say to folk, well, look, I know because I've spoken to a specialist that said that this is good. <laughs> Don't have back-to-back meetings. Yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking about the interaction, the human interaction in the office. And I take your point about, you know, the productivity and I'm as guilty as anyone as a manager. Uh, you know, I could probably spend the first 20 minutes when I walk into the office catching up on what everyone's doing, you know, open up my PC and all the rest of it while they're chatting about whatever. But I think that is a, a real basis for the rest of the day. And I take your point that, you know, you like to work early evening or, or the afternoons or whatever. I think we work well together because I'm very much a morning person. Right. <laughs> so we, we cover the whole day. Yeah. So it's like, I get that as well. But but I'm just, I'm wondering about that interaction, how we manage to replicate it. I know you've talked about, you know, we do weekly meetings or, or whatever. There must be a, a way of being able to replicate that. Is it before meetings? Is it, when is it? Is it, and you're talking there particularly around that kind of collaboration piece and that, yeah, cohesion. I think, you know what, it's, everyone hates this when we say this. It really is a time of experimentation at the moment with, with hybrid because it's no, there's no one size fits all. So it's different for every team, for every company, because actually every team and every individual and every company are different, aren't they? So we know that we all like different things. One of the, there is things you can do. So, you know, you can easily, like I said, block out that we come together in the office, but we come together once, whatever, a month, week. And the purpose is for creative space, collaboration space. And we have to be more purposeful about that um, now because you want people all there at the same time. So you can do that quite easily. Um, but the flip of it is, is how do you create this online? Um, there is some amazing tools out there that you can use that enable people to collaborate in real time some simple ones like slack are great just for that more informal chat you can have project channels and actually does loads of other things i didn't realize it could do but you can get the slack bot to create the um random pairings and it works out who has been paired recently and who hasn't and then we'll uh, help you do that for kind of virtual coffees um, but you can use sort of particular project tools, and I can't remember the one that I'm thinking of, what the name is, but um, where you can actually, if you're working on something in real time, but remotely, you can see people can comment and uh, work on it 
with you at the same time. Right. And you can see those comments that you sometimes would just have if you were working together in the office next to each other, but they can be popping up. So you're starting to get a little bit of that, you know, collaboration in real time. And obviously things like Teams and Microsoft, if you use it well, um, and others are, are great tools for that as well. And um, with Flexibility Works, you know, we have um, our Teams chat open all day and you set your status and you have to be really kind of thinking about your status as well, but you can have kind of quite good chats through that. Um, but yeah, there isn't a magic answer to the collaboration one. It, it's, it is, I think by default, as humans, we're social animals, we need people. So I think it's around thinking around again going back to that purpose of when are we coming together and when are we not but if we're coming together in person you know what is it for and is it for those kind of magic four c's that we talk around which is that connection creativity collaboration for me if i want to do a really sort of in-depth creative or collaborative piece i'd rather do it in person um and at flexibility works we come together once a month to do that specifically and we'll you know we'll all make the effort to be there it's part of our agreement and commitment to the team. I'm going to ask you about resources now. In Business Gateway, we obviously speak to a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got a lot of SMEs that don't have anything in place. But equally, we've got a significant number of SMEs that have got guidance documents for managers. They've got checklists. They've got work plans, toolkits, uh, and you know useful guides about new ways of working. I'm really shocked as, as to some of them, how detailed they actually are. But I'm just wondering, you know, if you've got nothing, where do you start? Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, we have a checklist that we we share with clients. Um, and that's usually quite a good starting point just to give them a, okay, have I even thought about this? Because for some, you know, until probably the last few months, people were like, we're just going to go back to how it was before. And now what we, people are realizing is it is not, you're going to lose staff if you enforce the Monday to Friday, you know, we see it in the news all the time. Jacob Brees Morgan going around leaving passive aggressive notes on his uh, employees' doors, you know. But we know that people want this flexibility. They want to be trusted to do their jobs. So I think the the key, the starting point is probably just have you even thought about it, you know? And if you have you spoken to your staff, you know, it goes back to what I said before. It's about understanding your staff and the individuals within your or teams and companies what do they want and need that's your starting point really you don't need a 50 page policy and hybrid working because the people who wrote them a year ago are realizing they're redundant <laughs> a lot of them because they don't work because they were doing it, it you know people is starting to come back out more people want to be in their office more than they used to be so so it's actually though right just thinking around what works for us as a company how do we meet our business needs as well as the individual needs of the people within our team. And I think that that starting point actually is just a conversation with each person in your team to understand what they need and what works for them, you know, and then you can build on that and have a checklist. You can create a policy. But I, quite often, one of the things we talk about is instead of a policy, it's more of a framework or a bit of a, you know, what are your guiding principles, if you like, your 10 guiding principles that are going to underpin how you work in this way. Um, and that can feel less, I suppose, for anyone who wants to write a policy unless you work in policy. But it's, you know, th- those guiding principles could be really helpful. And it helps managers then think around, OK, if our guiding principles are we will connect and collaborate and come together in person once every, you know, six weeks, 
oh, have we done that? And they can shape their te- work with their teams to do that. So I think there's those quite a good starting point. Um, there was something I was reading yesterday and they reckon about we want to spend about 25% of your working week or time, working year with your colleagues. And that's from remote first teams have sort of landed on that from a sort of a magic number. I don't know how, but if you had that as a guidance, your 25%, what does that look like? Is that once a week? Or is it actually just come together for a full week every quarter? You know, so that's quite useful to think about how often do we, you know, want to come together as well? What do we have in place around that to support people? Yeah, certainly. Some of the work plans that I've seen, folk have um, weekly meetings. Some are in the office, some are online. And quarterly, everyone is face to face at some point, whether that's one to one or the kind of general meeting. So I think I'm probably going to drift into conversation at some point over the next week, 10 underpinning principles and just see the reaction of some folks' faces <laughs> just to see how that pans out. What they, what they see, what happens. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, there's so much on this and I mean, when you know, it's such a big area. And actually at the moment, I think the big thing to say is everyone says, What's the what's the solution? How do we do hybrid? And the companies who have been working in this space for decades don't know the answer. <laughs> um, it is, I think, you know, it's being uncomfortable with the unknown at the moment and actually a bit of experimentation and letting, you know, conversation, you know, relationships with your teams, but actually also just trial things. Like, you know, lots of clients now are just trying things. Let's, we'll try this for six months. We'll try this for a year. We'll keep reviewing it. We'll get feedback. But through that process, you're going to find what fits for you. Um, and I think that's probably the big thing to take away is there isn't a magic, you know, uh, there isn't an answer. There isn't a magic formula. It's not three days in, two days in, one day in. It's a time of experimentation. And we will be putting out some training in the autumn, which is around how to manage um, from a, you know, how do you manage hybrid teams? Um, and as employees, how do you also engage with that as well? So it's two programs for managers and employees. So, you know, that's something we can obviously offer out later in the year once that's up and running for people who might want, who are further along in their hybrid journey and might want to invest, I think, training and supporting staff to recognise that it is a new way of working and no one quite knows how to do it. So, yeah, I think there's a piece around, yeah, really supporting staff to make that change because it is a big change for people. Well, that's been very interesting, Helen, and very useful, I hope, for, for owners and managers of business. So thanks very much for today. Helen Denny is from Flexibility Works. And this has been a Business Gateway Digital Boost podcast. You can listen to our other podcasts at bgateway.com, where you'll also find more information on all of our support services. I'll be back next time with more Business Gateway podcasts. Until then, bye for now.